All right, good morning, everybody. We got a lot of ground to cover quickly because there's an 11 o'clock Bronco game. Uh, good to see you. We're going to take our offering right now, actually. And so if you're new here, um, you can let that uh, go by. This is just a way for us as a community to um, continue to do the things that we do. Um, and so if you're part of this church, be a part of this with us. Um, and uh, we're just really thankful for you and for your giving and, and all that good stuff. And it's good to get the offering out of the way when you're going to talk about money. So uh, let's just get that out of the way. We'll talk, do that stuff. So, hey, our Nicaragua team is back, and um, they had a great trip. Dan is somewhat alive right now, um, but uh, they had to fly back through Mexico City, so they were a little nervous about uh, that, that changeover. But they're, they're going to tell some stories in the weeks to come and, um, and how you can be a part of Nicaragua um, in the future. So I wanted to let you know that. Um, if you're new to this place and you want to learn a little bit more about this place, we have what well, we do a newcomer's lunch every once in a while, and uh, we're going to have one in a couple weeks, October 8th, and uh, we, we bring in some sandwiches and some food here, and so right after the service, you can actually, we'll go either to the next room over or across the hall, we'll let you know, and, and it's just about 10, 15, 20 minutes where uh, we'll just share a few things with you and... Uh, just our history, kind of who we are, where we're going, um, and feed you. So if you'd like to be a part of that, um, you can sign up. There's a connection card in your row, um, and you can let us know and um, that you'll be there, and we'll, we'll, we'll hook you up. Um, some of you are wondering about a trip to Houston, um, and we are gathering people, and uh, we are preparing for a trip to uh, help in, in the recovery efforts of Harvey. And there are a number of organizations down there, and we have a lot of contacts down there. And basically what this trip looks like is in October, more towards late October, we're going to take a group of people, however many. Um, it's going to be a Thursday through a Sunday type of a trip so that you're not going to miss too much work time. Um, and, and basically, we just got to get there. And so we're going to do a, a round-trip flight, um, and um, we're going to work with an a couple of organizations Basically, we're going to be helping people muck their house. So uh, it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it, right? So, um, and the sooner they get these homes mucked, the better because of the mold. And so we're going to be going down there with uh, rest, like face masks and gloves, and we're going to get crazy dirty and throw stuff around and and, and actually get a chance to meet some of these homeowners and, and people who are, who are needing our help. So if you are interested in that, we are actually setting dates in the next couple of days. But we would love to know who to contact if they're interested. So if you're interested in a Houston trip, we're talking plane flight and maybe some spending money. Uh, as far as like some meals here and there, some coffees, that kind of stuff. So... If you're interested, put your name and an email address or a phone number down on a connection card and write Houston on it, and we will get in touch with you right away. Um, and then, last but not least, you guys in on this with us? I mean, we're doing this New Testament reading, these immersed New Testaments. Uh, this is the same New Testament that you have, only in a, just a different order. 
It's not like a different religion. Some of you are like, what is this? Is this the Bible? Yes, it's the Bible, okay? So this is the New Testament. Now, some of you are probably discouraged. You're like, well, I started. I didn't really get through the whole week. I feel like I should just stop. No, don't stop. Like, pick up week two. Like, if you didn't make it through week one or you didn't even know about this, week two, um, there's a guide in here. And if you haven't gotten one of these, you can grab one today. Uh, week two, we are, we're jumping into Acts and First and Second Thessalonians. Um, love to have you jump in with us. So if you need one of these, please come talk to us. And then last but not least, I'm doing a little plug for our children's crew and our roadie crew. Um, we have a couple of needs in both of those crews. The roadie crew sets up and tears down this on Sundays. And so it's a once a month thing. If you'd like to be a part of that, I'd love to talk to you about that. And children's. Three, they've tripled in size in a year. I think we told you guys that last year. And so, last week, sorry. I'm on drugs and uh, <laughs> caffeine right now. So, um, they could really use you, especially in our toddlers. Um, and they're just growing. And um, if, if, you, if you give once a month to our children's ministry, they would really super appreciate it. So, Jessica and Janelle, um, connection card, you can let us know. But you ready? We're going to fly. You ready? We're going to mainly be in the book of Proverbs today, and um, <coughs> I don't have a cough button, so uh, apologies ahead of time. So we're in this series called Fighting Inertia, and last week we began this series, and it's all based on the idea of money. And like I said last week, and, and it, the recording didn't happen last week, so you can actually read my message from last week. It's, on, um, it's online. <coughs> Sorry. There may need to be a cough drop involved, if I can find it. Don't have it. Well, I'm just going to drink communion juice then. Do you? Oh, man. Oh, man. This is going to be a short sermon. <laughs> All right. Everybody expects... This is a huge cough drop. Sorry. Just got to tuck it back in my chipmunk, you know. Oh, man. It's sharp. You guys don't really care about all that. Okay. When it comes to money in church life, um, you may be here and you're new to church or you haven't been to church in a while and you're like, okay, great. I knew it. I knew they were talking about money when I came to church. Because everybody expects the pastor to talk about money. Most of the time, churches, when they talk about money, they talk about giving. And we're not talking about giving. And we're talking about the effect that money has on us. Now, there's, the reality is you could be someone who gives money. But you could still have a heart that's wrapped up around money, even if you're a big giver of money. So what we're trying to do is get to the heart of it all. To the place in us that tends to get wrapped up around our finances, whether it's our, our identities, 
whether it's the pull of it. And last week we talked about this. We used this image of a, a merry-go-round. And I told you the story when I was in second grade about being on it with a couple of seventh graders ripping up, trying to get us off. And we talked about this idea of being in the center, that, that money has an inertia to it in our culture. And it keeps trying to pull us. And the more we cling and the more we have, the harder it is to hang on. And it has this way of just whipping us. Now, a lot of us don't like to hear about money. And we, we don't like to be convicted about money. And so the reality is I really approach this with a lot of um, just like this is holy ground stuff. Because I know your heart, I know my heart. And, and I just wanted to clear something up. Last week, I told the story. I didn't actually commit insurance fraud, okay? Some of you are like, well, what happened? I just thought about committing insurance fraud. There's a difference, right? So some of you are like, okay, what's going on? Just It, it had to do with like claims and insurance and all that kind of stuff, and I decided not to do something I was thinking about doing. And I had a long conversation with my wife about that afterwards because she really didn't know that was on my mind but I didn't actually do it. Money has this way of attaching itself to our hearts. And our hearts have a way of attaching themselves to finances and wealth and possessions. And so the goal here over this series is to shoot for the center, like to figure out where it is that God wants us to live. And the reality is, is that we cannot fully escape money. We can't. We live in this aquarium this fish tank, and, and it has this, there's just no way to escape how we live and where we live. But there is a way to find more freedom finding the center of God's kingdom. And I think for us, there's just a real, uh, there's a real effort that needs to be taking place to do that. And some of you are like, okay, Jesus talked a lot about money. I know that. And in some of those verses, we try to massage to make work for us, right? And the reality is, is that Jesus isn't trying to be, he's trying not to make our lives miserable by talking about money. He's actually trying to find a way to help us see freedom. And so that's really kind of where we're going. And we're trying to be people in a spinning world, but not a product of it. Does that make sense? And so, like I said before, you could be a, a huge giver. Um, I even mentioned last week, you could go through all the Dave Ramsey stuff, okay? And I'm not bagging Dave Ramsey. I'm just saying we could do all that stuff, and our hearts are still sucked into where money takes us. Does that make sense? So, today we're going to look at Proverbs. And what's interesting is, um, of all the verses in Proverbs that talk about money and wealth and possession... The first one starts in chapter 3. The last one ends in chapter 30. And there's a whole bunch in between. Uh, we're not going to go through all of it, but uh, let me just read a few of these verses for you. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Well, that sounds like a fun verse when it talks about money. So why don't we just pray and we'll just finish up. 
right? That one's a good one. Let's just end on that. See you later. Go Broncos. No. Um, But listen to the last verse in Proverbs on money. Two things I ask of you, Lord. This is a prayer. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Let me pray real quick. Heavenly Father, our hearts are deceived so much when it comes to money. We recognize there's a pull to it an inertia to it. And we're sometimes driven by it. God, will you show us what it looks like to be your people, not, not be servants of wealth and possessions. Show us how to use it. Show us how to see it and show us how to live in freedom from it. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Like I said before, you could be a 10% tither and have your heart still wrapped up in some issues of money. And, um, and so our goal is to gain uh, real wisdom here. Now, some would say that these two verses we read, the first one um, talking about barns being full and, and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and then the, the, the last verse we read talking about, God, don't give me too much, are a real a contradiction, really, when it comes to finances. But what I want to say is, no, there's some beautiful tension there. There's some beautiful um, uh, weight to all of this. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about what happens in the middle of these two things. So let's start with the first verse. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. See, I think some of the things that we need to understand is in wealth and money, they, they, it's not necessarily all bad all the time. It's not like I just throw a $20 bill on the table and say, that's, that's bad. And we need to like fear it and run from it and not want it. But what I want to concentrate on here is this idea of honor. The word honor in Old Testament actually means weight. So when it says to honor God with your wealth, what it's saying is give weight to God with your finances, with your possessions. That there's something about giving God um, uh, value and weight with what we have. Now, the problem with this verse, okay, the problem with it, it has been turned into something that it's not. It's been turned into... Uh, some certain strains of teaching within the church overall that has become kind of a get-rich-quick scheme, prosperity gospel. Um, and, and I think it's really important for us to understand there's one comment, commentator named Trimper Longman, and this is really important to understand. He writes this, Proverbs are snapshots of reality, generally true principles but not promises, Okay. So when you take a proverb and, and you read it and you go, oh, well, that's, that's a promise. That's like a formula. That's a principle that works all the time. It's not necessarily the case. 
So what we need to do is look at it in light of everything else going on. And it's tricky because sometimes we read Proverbs like a promise, but they're not always a promise. Sometimes Proverbs says the opposite. Okay? Sometimes, well, listen, a little later on, I'm not going to put this on the screen, a little later on it says, because of injustice, some righteous people suffer. Which is an interesting thing because it just said that like a righteous person with wealth, you know, and they put it towards God, their, their barns are going to fill with overflowing. Well, sometimes, but sometimes righteous people will suffer injustice. Now, in Proverbs, there's a whole list between these two verses, you know, the first one in chapter 3 and the other one in chapter 3. There's a whole list of better thans in Proverbs. I'm going to list a few right here. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. I mean, that feels right, doesn't it? Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred, especially with you vegetarians. Yeah, I have a, a, a motto is never trust a vegan, but I don't know if you guys are with me on that one. Um, sorry, ve sorry, vegans. Um, better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. Remember that word righteousness? To be righteous with someone is to have a good relationship with not only God, but with others and with yourself. Better a little with righteousness, with good relationships than much gain with injustice, right? Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver and gold. And better the poor whose walk is blameless than the rich whose ways are perverse, right? It's, it's just this idea that sometimes better is less, Sometimes this idea that, that it's really what we're shooting for is right relationships with each other. I forgot this one. Better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. That's a different sermon. That's a totally different sermon. Angela's not here, so I can do stuff. Almost wore shorts. I would have totally driven her nuts. Just tell her I wore shorts and see what happens. Anyhow, sometimes, Proverbs tells us, sometimes it's better to have a little than a lot. Why does Proverbs do this? Why does it kind of mess with us a little bit? Why does it talk about wealth and honoring God with it and you'll get more? But maybe you should probably shoot for less. Because Proverbs, I think, really knows, really, the writer of Proverbs really knows the human heart, right? And how we're easily seduced into wealth. Listen to this. A guy named Kenneth Aiken said this. The real danger of wealth, underlined here, is that it can distort our sense of values and priorities and make us blind to and lose out on the better things, which really matter in which truly enrich. See, wealth has a way of skewing our priorities, has a way of kind of putting things in different perspectives. And, and really, at the end of the day, um, I, I read, I read an, uh, an article in the New York Times about this woman who works in hospice. And she sa she's interviewed people. She's worked in hospice for like 30 years. 
she's interviewed people and she's met with people in their last days. Every single male patient that she interviews and talks to on his last days says, I wish I didn't work so hard. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Like, I wish that there was different margin, had been different margin in my life. And she said a lot of the females, too, I mean, especially the younger ones, they, they just wish that there was different space in their life as they approached the end. And I think that's just really interesting. And, and, and we can just kind of go through, we see this all the time, and we talk about things in our culture like the bottom line, right? What's the bottom line? The bottom line for many of us and our culture is a bigger bank account or more security or more savings or whatever. That's kind of the bottom line. What's interesting is you're starting to see in our culture an economic term called the triple bottom line. I don't know if you've heard this before. In our, <coughs> sorry, in our culture, um, an economist called the triple bottom line. The triple bottom line is not only uh, your company's growing, your assets are growing, but um, other things are profiting too. Like your work is actually benefiting the, the larger society. And then there's an our, uh, environmental impact piece of that too. And, and a lot of you are probably like, you understand where I'm going with that. There's, there's this kind of uh, movement to say our work has more meaning than just filling my bank account. It actually has uh, a societal impact that is good. It's a triple bottom line. You know what's interesting? Proverbs talks about it all the time. Proverbs talks about our righteousness, our right relationships with others Okay, with society, with, uh, with, with creation, having an impact. And what's interesting is I think our culture gets this better than Christians. Have you ever seen the documentary Minimalism, The Minimalist? Have you ever seen this? A couple guys that decide to live on very minimal uh, things. Like they have like two shirts and like, you know, they, they don't do, they just have very little. And they've decided that that is a more freeing way to live. And they're not Christian. But they kind of get that there's this pull and this inertia to, to money and stuff. And so our hearts are tied to it. Scriptures talk about it. Listen to this. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer. Less than 500 verses on faith. More than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. And churches just talk about giving for the most part. And so let me just finish, like, as we get towards the end here. There's this great verse in Proverbs I want to hit. Proverbs 18. Kimmy, I skipped a couple of verses. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it as a wall too high to scale. I want you to think about this. For us, we don't really understand the imagery here. But in the Old Testament, say you're Joshua and the Israelites, and you're approaching Jericho, which is a, and you're going to try to capture Jericho as a city. 
And I've told you this before, but how this worked is it was not just two armies fighting each other. It was two armies and their gods. It's a very spiritual contest. So if you are one of the regular people, you don't live in the city. You live outside the city. The people who live in the city are the military um, and the leaders and, and kind of the more elite people of the city. And there's a God of the city. There's a God of Jericho. And the Israelites people approach a city, and you have two choices if you're living outside the city. You actually have three choices. You can run to the hills, okay? Um, you could choose to go inside the city, okay? And if you go inside the city seeking protection in the city, what you do, you're doing is you're actually claiming the, the Lord of that city, the God of that city is your God. Or you could decide to go towards the Israelites and change allegiance, so when we talk about fortified cities, what we're talking about is allegiance. And so when Proverbs is talking about a wall and a fortified city and God being your fortified tower, your, 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 Proverbs is talking about your allegiance goes towards God. And then he talks about how the wealth of the rich is their city. The wealth of the rich is their allegiance, their security, their safety. And no one can break in. You might have your retirement locked up. You might feel invincible and untouchable. But your wealth is your city. And wealth has the power to give you, okay, this is really important here, to give you by proxy what only God can give you through reality. Let me read this out of Matthew as we wrap this up. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Now, Proverbs talks about two different fortified cities, right? You can't live in both. Listen to this by a guy named Dale Bruner. He said, mammon means possessions or property. Today, we might legitimately translate mammon as things, money, gain, or success. The god, mammon, is left with its pagan name in the Greek text and in most translations in order to remind readers that mammon is a spiritual force who works with tremendous attracting power to draw us into its orbit and out from under the service of Christ. Guys, when we talked this last year about spiritual force in this world, and, and, and it was a message that I gave, I think, in May, in June, that really messed us up. <laughs> a lot of people are like, I want to talk to you about that. But we talked about spiritual forces in this world that are opposed to God. And believe it or not, I believe money is a spiritual force that is opposed, that the mammon is a spiritual force that is opposed to God. And that we can get sucked into it and distracted and off track. And we look for, well, we look for significance in it. Our identity gets wrapped up in it. Uh, when our bank accounts come below a certain level, it throws us into a kind of a, a fear and anxiety. And our need for significance and security. This is how it works for Angela and I. Listen to this. I'm more of a spender. I find significance in spending. Angela is a saver, 
she finds more security in saving. Both of us, with those trans, you know, we can get out of whack with our hearts and our identity. Just because you're a saver doesn't mean you've got it all figured out when it comes to money. We both can get sideways, and money is powerful, but it's not that powerful. It cannot give us what we truly need. And here's this one last quote that I think will really sum up this idea of proxy for us, okay? It's a big one. You ready? There's a guy named Tomas Sedlek. I didn't say that right. Um, it's a book that someone actually gave me a few weeks ago, and it's been really good. He says, For untradeable things that cannot be exchanged, such as friendship, there is no way to trade them or swap them. You cannot buy a true friend or inner peace. But you can buy things that seem to be around it, proxies. You can buy a dinner in a restaurant for your friends, but there is no way you can buy true friends by doing so. Or you can buy a cabin in the mountains and try to find peace there, but you cannot buy peace itself. Ultimately, advertising functions on this principle. They show you something that cannot be traded, a good night's sleep, a happy family at breakfast, or beauty, and offer you a tradable proxy. And here's the proxy, an expensive bed, some kind of breakfast cereal, a mountain cabin, or shampoo. And even though we know this is an illusion and that actors and extras play in ads, we start, we still start to desire a better pillow. Mine is responsible for my troubled sleep. New yogurts and cereals, the happy family at breakfast, and shampoo, even if the model in the ad has probably never used a particular brand. So my question for us today is this. What is your proxy? What is it? Like, what is it that's itching inside of you that you want to, that you feel like you need? It's not really going to meet your need, but you hope it does, and it never will, right? Now, that last prayer in Proverbs is actually the prayer of a guy named the son of Agor, <laughs> which, cool name, I guess. And he, I'm going to just read this prayer for you again. And I want you to, I want you to, I want you to listen to it clearly and, and ask yourself, did I hear any of these lines in other places in the Bible? Listen to this. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty, okay, or, nor riches. But give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So this whole prayer is keep me from falsehoods and lies. Lies, remember the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves, lies that we begin to live, stories we begin to live that aren't true. Show me, maybe it's a question for you, show me, God, how I'm lying to myself. Yeah, the prayer here is not for a middle-class life. It's not like, don't give me too much, but I don't, don't give me too little. I just want to you know, live in the burbs, you know, kind of a deal. That's not what the prayer is. Wealth has the power to give you through proxy what only God can give you through reality. We talked about this. But listen to the, some of these words 
and, 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 and kind of maybe think about the Lord's Prayer here. How's the Lord's Prayer go? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, right? Did you hear this in the son of Agor's prayer? And forgive us our debts. And lead us not into temptation. Keep me from falsehood and lies. Many commentators actually believe that Jesus' prayer has kind of built a little bit off of son of Agor's prayer in Proverbs, which is really interesting. This idea of keeping us from falsehood and lies and giving us just what we need. And when the Bible talks about sin, the Bible talks about this brokenness in our lives to the shalom and peace of God. It actually talks about very, very much in economic terms. It talks about how you and I have a debt, that God has given everything, and we kind of give him, in a sense, the middle finger. And that he forgives our debts and our sins. And that a key feature in Christianity, unique among all religion, is this idea of purchase us. That, that God purchased us. The word redemption is actually an economic word that actually means bought back. Economics are all through this. Listen, the riches of his grace. It's a money word. Our indebtedness to God, replacing, you know, replacing um, uh, things in our lives. Listen, we talk about how our debt is too high and only God could give something to change that. First Corinthians talks about how God made himself poor, right? That God made himself poor that we may become what? You know, what's interesting is in this time, this is before currency and a lot of things, there was the exchange you would have for goods and services were, 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 were gifts across. You know, they were, they were gifts exchanged, right? So if you wanted something that somebody else had and you would, you would trade. And a true friend was somebody who, and is still somebody that you don't keep an account of, Right? So anybody ever moved before and you're like, hey, uh, you'd, never say, you'd never say to a friend, hey, I'll pay you 50 bucks. Just come help me move, right? What do you usually do? Pizza, right? It's like my neighbor used to say, well, that's a two-beer job, you know, which means give me two beers and I'll help you, you know. Um, and so the idea there is an exchange of, like, you're a friend of mine. I mean, you know that you've helped people move before, especially the kind of people they don't pack before they move. You know, those people. And you're like, dude, you didn't even pack? And, like, pizza doesn't do it, right? It's, like, not an equal exchange of goods and services, right? But you know what I'm talking about? Like, a real friend is someone that there's no accounts kept. Like, dude, I helped you move twice. You only helped me move once, so there's not that going on. Like, a real friend doesn't do that. Scripture calls Jesus as our ultimate friend, which I think is an, it's got an economic piece to it. It's not a buy and sell relationship with Jesus. Jesus made himself poor and emptied himself completely for us. He gave himself as a ransom for us. 
So we're going to shoot for the center, church. We're going to just begin to claw our way and pull for the center. And what I, one of the things I want to do before we come to the table for communion, and I move a few things off the table here, is I want to encourage you this week on Wednesday night, we're actually going to start a little bit of a practice on this. It's called Money Lab. And Dan's going to lead it. And one of the things we're kind of trying to do around here is do more practice. It's been kind of a word for us as a church. I mean, I, could t- I can teach you a sermon like this, and you'll be like, and really you can walk out of here and go, eh, I kind of agreed with some of it or whatever, maybe this, you know, maybe he's got a point. And then by Tuesday, me and you are just doing life normal again, right? But what if we practiced this? Like, what if we, like, really kind of dove in a little bit? What if we got a little bit uncomfortable and practiced it? So Wednesday night, Two Rivers Coffee, 7 o'clock. Dan's going to kind of lead some discussions and practice around money. And we'd love for you to come. And if you can't make it every one of them, that's okay. Come. Just come on a Wednesday night. We'll make it happen.